Hello, welcome to Cracked on FBI Radio. That's cracked. It's not crocked. Hopefully it's not crap. It's not scrapped yet. It ain't dapped. And unfortunately, it's not crack cocaine. It's called Cracked. Cracked is a podcast and show on FBI Radio that cracks open the creative process for one hour. I'm Al. I'm a curator, a musician, and once upon a time, I flunked out of psychology at Macquarie University. I'm Luke. And I'm an engineer with a full degree who really appreciates mangroves. We're here to overanalyze and maybe find a little bit of meaning along the way. Yeah, we may be underqualified in some areas, but we're here on a very specific mission, and that is to crack open the ideas that tie together music across genres and styles. And we really mean all genres and styles, between different tastes and techniques, and the odd joke to crack each other up. Yeah, Al's pretty funny i'd like to think but sometimes his humor i don't get it makes me feel like a bit of an outsider funny for a millennial (laughs) (laughs) funny for a very specific age group of people that were exposed to the internet at a weird age but today that brings us to today's theme we're talking about outsider music now we've got a few different perspectives you can take on outsider music i think it's hard to give an exact definition. It's kind of a controversial term once you yeah. start breaking it down. Yeah, I guess... Actually, I'll go into it later. My, my, my theory of pluralities regarding outsider music. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you just leave the engineering at work? <laughs> but today we're going to discuss a couple of fun themes. One that I'm pretty partial to. I, I quite like the idea of naivety. Naivety in music. We're going to talk about outsider culture. Um, We're going to talk about self-chosen outsiders versus societal outsiders. Um, Outsiders as a positive perspective or a negative connotation. Um, And just in general, music made for outsiders. Would you ever say you felt like an outsider at some point in your life, Al? Almost every day, (laughs) actually. (laughs) I know that's terrible to say (laughs) because it makes me... It makes it sound like I've got like a complex like main character energy which i definitely do main character energy is a very millennial term okay well actually it's not super millennial but like it makes sense i'm also a sagittarius (laughs) which i don't i didn't really know what that meant until my wife because i'm old shot sophie yeah um (laughs) explained it to me but essentially i like when i do a tarot reading Mm -hmm. like i go through the tarot in a week of life Maybe oh, it's two okay. max. Is that what a Sagittarius means? I don't actually know. We're like fire signs. Okay. So I'm a water We take sign. up a lot of space. Ah, okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, mm. your hair takes up a lot of space as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, outsider music. I'm going to start off on music made for outsiders. So, when I say music made for outsiders, I mean music in a sense that really quells that inner teenage angst you know when you're when you're like 16 Mm. or something maybe a bit younger and you're just kind of like nobody gets me Mm, we've all been there i'm still there yeah 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 no one gets me and this is just kind of music that inspires those who feel in that wait so who are you going to choose because there's a long list of legendary artists this is like the most overpopulate almost yeah it's a saturated it's its own whole of, of music and i think it it's come forth to a lot of really interesting genres as well that are just thankful to this concept like midwest emo 
that kind of spawned from it. Mm, more um, punk. Yeah. The, the genre that I'm going to bring forward, I don't like using it as a genre um, term. It was my top genre on Spotify. Um, screw Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw Spotify. Unless you want to promote this podcast and put it on the front page, then that's really cool. Um, <laughs> but the genre is called Drain. Um, I've told Drain has a very loaded term. Uh, uh, yeah, if you say you're a fan of Drain, it's a very spiky word. I right just now. go like fan of what Drake? <laughs> What's Drain? So Drain, of course, is it's a genre popularized by, and I kind of wince when I say this, despite being a huge fan of all the music that they've put out, um, by a collective called the Drain Gang. Um, yeah, they're a group. They've got Blade, Echo Two K, Tyboy Digital, and a producer. so do they live in one place or they're like an internet collective um a few of them are like childhood friends so blade and echo 2k were friends from like they were 12 they had like a cute little band i think they made punk when they were 12 or something like that it was actually really sweet um and tie boy they just kind of met throughout and they're very young lean adjacent as well so that's the kind of very internet based though and a lot of their fan base is internet oriented um there's like a lot of like kind of memes and stuff like that it's like ah oh, you just know it's not disgusting at the drain gang show you just know no one wore deodorant in the mosh kind of thing um and that i guess is- i've got the most serious face yeah that just was- <laughs> is not funny to me well, obviously it's not funny when i say it um but in the context of outsiders i guess people who do smell bad are usually considered outsiders a bit shunned I may bring the song forward a little bit. Um, The track that I am going to choose is a very prominent one from Echo 2K off of their 2019 album E. It was one of the three lead singles. It's called Peroxide. It's a beautiful little spacious pop rap hip hop beat inspired but very delving into plug and B-esque directions. It's a multi-hyphenate track. There's so much to it. And it's got a beautiful, beautiful ambient backing melodic component that I think you might appreciate, Al. I'll play it now. Five out of five. (laughs) (laughs) It's Peroxide by Ekuchi. top we had echo 2k with peroxide and just then it was the iconic throbbing gristle with the title track 
from their album 20 Jazz Funk Greats, released in the late 70s. An industrial classic. And this is the podcast and show Cracked, where we crack open the creative process. We are talking about outsider music, and you really can't talk about this theme of outsider music without talking about Throbbing Gristle. They invented a number of different genres and approaches to music. They... When you say invented a number of different genres... They're like the... They... There is no industrial music and there is very little noise music and there's very little avant-garde music from the 70s onwards that doesn't touch on Throbbing Gristle. Okay, fair. Like, when you say invented... Is it still a little bit unrefined? Like, kind I of, wouldn't use the term unrefined. I guess as well as... They were inventing a new language. Yeah, yeah. And other people built upon that language. And to use this poor metaphor, yeah, um, it became a dialect that kept evolving. Yeah, I mean, that was my understanding. Well, when I say unrefined, it's just on the subject of rock. I mm. listen to Bad Brains. And yeah. in terms of palatable to my ears in the context of what I developed my music taste with, it wasn't the most agreeable thing initially. Yeah. Would you say this is something quite similar? I would say, yeah, they, they were outsiders of society. Okay. So they at, at they the time. do look a little dorky. Well, they look dorky on the album cover because they did that on purpose. They wanted to look like a bargain bin record. Okay. So the album looks like what a bossa nova or light jazz album cover would look like and it's a little bit subversive and it's almost subliminally kind of um weaving the music onto an audience that might be a little bit unsuspecting oh i really like that i think that's quite beautiful it's very clever yeah i think physicality in that sense is also very interesting into like the distribution of your music in a store people don't really exactly think about that anymore at all well yeah it's it's almost a redundant thought You've heard of um, Panchico, a similar process of discovery through their stuff being literally in like goodwill. Mm. And that is what kind of found them in resurgence. I guess it's kind of stroking to a similar audience. Yeah. I mean, the other thing with this kind of subversive nature is I've like, I feel like by choosing Throbbing Gristle, it's like the cheat code to this topic of outside of music because it touches on like naivety in making music outside of culture, outside of via technique, like they used new techniques, used weird instruments and things. They are self-chosen outsiders, but they were also society's outsiders. Um, like the outsiders are positive and negative. Like it was positive for them sometimes. And then they had infighting, um, like relationship breakdowns, they oh. broke up. So outsiders negative. They were outsiders to the industry. Um, were they entirely they were, independent? Uh in the sense, it was easier to kind of discern independence yeah, yeah. in the 70s and 80s. So, yes. Um, whether they are considered independent in Modern. where they're publishing and things are wrapped yeah. up now, Distribution I'm, I'm less sure. Um, but even they were outsiders on a pure identity level. Um, that is different to the way we were talking about at the top of how everyone feels like an outsider. Mm. Genesis P. Orridge um, is 
went through kind of a number of different gender identity transformations very early. Like we're talking like 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s um, and was quite pioneering and then embarked upon a project that they called uh, Pandrogyny where they and their partner uh, almost became one third identity and physically started looking quite alike and it was an art project as well it's funny you say that i i've read some like literature one could say that was recommended by my mental health care professional regarding the dynamics of relationships and that is the natural course of them a lot Mm. of people try to reinforce the idea we're separate people kind of thing but it's like the natural course of any relationship for you to meld and become far more i mean it's a classic thing that like i think everybody feels this at some point where it could be with a friend where they get introduced to a new girlfriend or boyfriend or partner and they mm. kind of look alike and act alike <laughs> like like me and my wife both have crazy hair you know yeah yeah <laughs> i wouldn't say we like physically look yeah, the same yeah but uh, we have s- similar qualities similar aura one, yeah. one could put it forward yeah mm. So, Throbbing Gristle, mm. you've been introduced to some icons, Luke. Yeah, they definitely look like people I'd hang out with at school. Maybe in, like, primary school or something like that. Not as in in their state, not that I'd be hanging out with them when they're, like... I don't know how old they are, maybe. Are you saying you're too cool? For primary school? For Throbbing Gristle? No, 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 no. I seem, like, more like a outsider. Like, I feel like I was... <laughs> I feel like I was most outside in primary school. In case you're wondering what just happened, Luke's feeling a little bit nervous talking about this outside a topic and just dropped something. I dropped. The floor. It was very big and heavy and intense. It was his soul. <laughs> but on an adjacency to outsider music, this actually, primary schools are very adjacent to this. So from a young age, I knew I didn't enjoy the, the popular music that was on the radio. I was like, this, this kind of stinks. Um, I don't want to listen to this. Um, from yeah, very young age when I was in primary school and I wanted to detach myself from that um, I thought I was really cool by listening to Jay-Z when I was like 9 on my brother's CDs and I was like no one else gets how cool I am um, and I never really reveled in those kind of sounds and I want to talk about the kind of repurposing of older popular samples you can see it a lot in dance music and things like that where these really old samples are used that were like super big and popular like an example that comes to mind is the logical song by scooter i don't know if you know that one al i'm looking at you so blankly (laughs) (laughs) well that has been repurposed a lot in a lot of edm and then it got repurposed this now it's kind of like gone full circle got repurposed by like kim petrus and i think like diplo so what was the original music like um it was a very big kind of atmospheric cinematic breakbeat kind of trance techno adjacent instrumental Ah. thing with like a very high pitched um vocal train going through um yeah it was actually very very sounds euphoric yeah think Without better words to describe it, think the kind of aesthetic that Darud Sandstorm had. Yeah, can you sing it? <laughs> Which one? The uh, the logical song. Yeah, it's like really, really heavy. Just, just give it a go. 
was young. I said, well, life was so wonderful. Is that good? Like that? Mm, I definitely feel like an outsider. <laughs> <laughs> a miracle. I actually do know the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. a great impression. <laughs> My falsetto is pretty solid. Mm. Um, I will auto-tune that later on in post. Uh, but that kind of reclamation of things to be enjoyed later down the line. And I think there's a specific genre of music that was inspired originally, at least from my understanding, it came to prevalence through a specific producer that I enjoy. The name is Leroy. Um, It is the pseudonym for Jane Remover. And the kind of stuff they make is a lot of people have seen it, I've seen it described as like sample core, sample delia, kind of like plunder phonics in that vein of things. Um, and they take really old, well not old, but very popular samples from like the mid 2000s, essentially their adolescence, and kind of reclaim them and put them in a really new, fun, and extremely abrasive context. It's not something that you just show people. Like I showed Al one of the songs. Um, he's like, turn that shit off. He- no, I didn't. I said it sounds like flume. <laughs> No, that was a different song. I showed you that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I showed it last week. He was not mm. too happy with it. He's like, we can't play this on daytime radio. But the kind of samples that they are. Please don't turn your radio off. <laughs> and if you do, it's Luke's fault. <laughs> I'll play like a really short bit and make it as palatable as possible. Or, yeah, you, you got to just last like 40 seconds. That's all you got to do. Do it for Luke. Do Otherwise, for he will feel like an outsider. <laughs> but the kind of samples I'm talking about that they used were like Flowrider, Blow My Whistle, Nicki Minaj, Stupid Ho, Bangers. I actually, yeah, absolute tracks in retrospect. I've grown to appreciate them far more. Back when they came out in my adolescence, I was like, I don't want this. I don't want to listen to Starships by Nicki Minaj. I want to listen to something cooler. Uh, but it's come full circle and now I've really grown to appreciate it I really like Starships by Nicki Minaj now (laughs) and this has really spread far so there's a local artist to where we are right now the Signora locality Um, their name is Zave and they've kind of picked this up and put their own little spin on it and made it local Um, I'll let you listen to this song I'll play a little bit just a little bit don't get too scared um, the song is called Toby Fox Discover- Discovers the Hyperpop Sound Font. You can even tell by the name. It's going to be a lot. But yeah, just do your best. 40 seconds. Turn it down. Count. If you really don't like it, just like count for 40 seconds. Here it is. You're listening to Cracked on FBI Radio. Go back to lying beside you on the bed. 
just there, was a fun little back-to-back. Up the top, we had that lovely Zave track, the 40 seconds that I had to try to get you to endure, um, of Toby Fox discovers the hyperpop sound font. And then we played a little bit of Pink Panthers. Um, I, I think Pink Panthers is pretty cool. I think your, vo- your voice goes so high when you don't <laughs> like something. <laughs> I don't mind Pink Panthers. I like some of the tracks. I think she has some cool stuff. Um, would I call myself like a fan? Uh, maybe. Do you like break it off? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. Stuff. That's like the first one, right? That's yeah. like the the one. You know how that got big? Got, I'm pretty, actually, I don't want to say it's that. It's TikTok. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you want to say yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's taboo when, when I'm around. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and then after that, we had a really cool trek from Burial. Now, burial or Burial? What the, bro, what the fuck I is Burial? I say Burial. <laughs> burial. Al says some certain weird words, really weird. Yeah, it's because I'm half Geordie from Newcastle <laughs> upon time in England. <laughs> now, what did... What's the commonality between Pink Panthers and Burial? Well, on this theme of outsider music on Crack Today, I just didn't think we could go past anonymity. Oh, yeah. And the reasons that people usually are anonymous at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I know it's become a bit of a trope, especially in the case of Burial, where he became a meme on the internet. So burial, burial, Bar- burial's identity was burial's was identity. originally anonymous. His name is William Bevan, and from all accounts, he's just a sensitive, soft, slightly boring dude who likes to play Metal Gear Solid ah. and walk around in the rain. What? Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Metal Gear Solid. But I think there was like real anxiety uh, at the root of why he was originally anonymous for so long. Yeah, and. In the case of Pink Pantheress, then anonymity was slightly different because for Burial, burial, you never saw their face. They didn't really exist on the internet. They only communicated through, I think they did like a handful of interviews, maybe Mm. three or four. Like spoken word interviews? Yeah, like like an interview with publications like The Guardian and things like that. Oh, okay. And fact and... So kind of like text-based interviews that just kind of the, the, the transcript gets yeah, uploaded. Yeah, exactly. And then like they meet in a McDonald's and whatever. What, they, what McDonald's? Yeah, he's very famous for liking McDonald's. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? What a really strong defining character. <laughs> well, look, when you're that anonymous, it is a defining characteristic. <laughs> but in the case of Pink Pantheress, they were like obviously blew up by TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And so like their image was kind of all over the internet but no one really knew who they were yeah i will say as well they do have a gorgeous voice it is ever so angelic yeah and i think that back-to-back of pink pantheress and burial strong contrast well contrast but he's like a pioneer of that pitched up kind of angelic vocal and that androgynous texture well i i don't know too much about burial myself but i do know as you said they're a very internet-based uh individual mm. um so i was thinking more of the contrast of the pop anonymity perspective for pink pantheris compared to this kind of like underground extremely experimental now this is where it gets interesting because they are like you and i and how we're generationally different yes pink pantheris and burial are also different generations okay and burial's music has had left an indelible imprint on pop okay overall like he he 
made the breakbeat and that sampled kind of pitched up vocal sound. Yes. That's like an ethereal two-steppiness and like garage a, influence. Like okay. it permeated like all of music. What you described sounds, when you say like the breakbeat ethereality, it gives me breakcore in its essence. Yeah, but more palatable might be the wrong word and piss Appro- some old school people off but approachable for people who may not know anything about yeah. jungle or garage and the roots of uk dance music okay. but i think pink pantheress does the exact same thing with her music as well yeah you know all those sped up old samples and songs from drum and bass and jungle yeah. they're, they're kind of in conversation with each other i don't necessarily know either of them would like, like that i like that <laughs> It could be a, a controversial hot take. These are the conclusions we come to on Cracked. But they, they are outsiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outsiders together. Yeah, Burial and Pink Panthers are the two sides of the same coin. Yeah, the hottest couple. You heard it here on FBI. <laughs> we ship. That, that's our, our ship of, of the day for Cracked. Uh, Pink Panthers and Burial. Yeah, that's anonymity in a nutshell. Speaking of continuing on the topic of outsiders i want to talk a bit more of it about an intersection intersectionality Ooh, big word outsiders um an artist that i really really appreciate i'm a big fan i think their stuff is gorgeous um it's laced in this immense amount of dread oh it's heavy one could say whilst also having strong undertones of nostalgia i'm talking about of course ethel kane And I want to talk about the kind of tumultuous experience that she had with being queer whilst also being brought up in a extremely religious environment. Um, If you didn't know, they were brought up in a strict Baptist family in the American South. So if that gives you any image of the tumultuity of their upbringing hopefully that should do it the main reason why i wanted to bring attention to ethel kane was to explore a bit of a double fold outsider effect they're for one not very liked by their religious community for being queer but one could also say i I don't speak for the queer community in any way shape or form that's what you did (laughs) thanks now but one could also say they're seen as an outsider from the queer community for being part of such a radical belief system. Mind you, they still express that they are Baptist. They haven't detached from... You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. <laughs> That's Christmas for you. <laughs> Happy holidays, folks. Happy Christmas. Is this, is this a Christmas episode? I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Well, it's the Christmas track... every day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the track I wanted to share is called American Teenager. It's her biggest one, but I think there's a reason for it. It's got some really cute kind of almost tongue-in-cheek lyrics to it, but it carries a lot of very nonchalant, extremely sad phrases. I'll let you listen to it now. You're listening to Cracked. Cracked. 
happens to be, now it happens to me. I'm on his feet. Twin peak and highs and lows. We shaded off and low. That was Ethel Kane, American Teenager, followed up by Luke Joseph, <laughs> also doing Ethel Kane, American Teenager. <laughs> but most recently, we were just listening to some Frank Ocean. I love Frank. Who doesn't love Frank? I think it's such a universal. I guess you loved. could call this track a deep cut now. It was yeah. Rushes slash Rushes 2 off the 2016 visual album endless visual essay yeah did you watch the live stream when it came out no because i think it was on apple music but i think i downloaded it pretty quickly so before it came out he did like a a 24-hour live stream that's just like him building a staircase out of wood and in the last hour he played endless I have watched it multiple times yeah the actual i really i really like it yeah it's actually really beautiful I think it's a good kind of summary of a certain type of sad boy that wears a lot of Carhartt. Yeah. And maybe skates. You're describing... Looks longingly in the distance. You're describing a really good friend of mine that you also know. I mean, I'm <laughs> describing different versions of myself <laughs> at different points in time. Al is the same person as I am, just <laughs> aged <laughs> 10 years. And if you're wondering what the hell is going on, this is Cracked where we crack open the creative process. And this episode is on outsider music. And Frank Ocean is a bit of an outsider, strangely. Yeah, I can see that. He's incredibly popular, but with this endless album, visual essay, yeah, whatever we want to call it, he kabotted his major label. That he swindled. Swindled, I guess. He won the game. If it's a Guy Ritchie film, I guess he swindled them. <laughs> he swindled Def Jam. And then he released Blonde afterwards. But historically, I think that's a bit mean-spirited to Endless as a record. Because I think it's my favorite album that he's released. Fair. Fair. And it comes across as a lesser statement. But it's impressionism. And interstitial nature where all the tracks start blurring into each other is really beautiful and the more fragmented his music career and output has become i think this was a precursor to the frank ocean we have now where he's trying to do ice rinks on (laughs) a coachella and then just destroying it all do you think from his perspective it was any less of a artwork so to say like do you think he put in equivocal effort and intention and thought that he would have put into blonde i think this may be a long-winded answer but most artists and musicians that i 
just hang out with or talk mm. to in any way, shape, or form, whether it's professional or just intimately as friends or lovers. <laughs> Usually care deeply about everything that they put out. And yeah. It, whether it's hugely popular or not in the kind of success metrics in normal kind of industry are slightly irrelevant. Mm. So from that perspective, I think there was a lot of thought put into it. Um, and you can feel that in the track listing and the way it does have a dreamy landscape to it. But then from Frank's perspective, he may just be like, nah, mm-hmm. the, the end game was making that cock ring <laughs> <laughs> with his Homer brand. I'm wearing a Homer He's ring peaked. right now. <laughs> He's literally peaked. Sorry, this is getting a bit sorted. <laughs> that was the answer I was looking for, to be fair, the, uh, to, that it was still valued. I'd like to think of it in context of his whole discography as just another beautiful project that he put out because I, I quite like it and it would make me sad if it was to think that he thinks of it as lesser himself I don't think Frank thinks I don't think Frank cares much about lesser about himself <laughs> at all well also I'd like to I, I feel like Frank is just in general an outsider from the industry he is, but he's also really good at tapping back into the industry mm-hmm. when he needs a big cash injection. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, even like if you look at the collaborating artists on on Blonde, mm-hmm. for example, um, my favorite artist is on their young. I mean, Alex G played guitar in Rushes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fair. When he was like on Orchid tapes, I think it's called. Okay, he was fair. very niche. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that speaks volumes to his way that he maneuvers around it. It seems mm. he can sit like directly within it because on the same album, Beyonce is there. Yeah, which um, I completely forgot about. Yeah, 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 right. Um, and then you have, at the time, extremely niche, small artists. Yeah, that like he, he brings- on it. Oh, okay, cool. I think Johnny Greenwood orchestrated the strings for the, I can never say her name, Aaliyah. Cover. Okay, cool. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's so cohesive. Yeah, I think, is, to be fair, he's always just been an illustrious, kind of mysterious figure. Ooh, we're heavy on the adjectives yeah. today. Someone to admire, and I can really understand why he has such a cult following, because it's almost impossible to understand the way he moves. Mm. Everything he does is like, this. It's it's amazing, it's great, but this makes no sense. At least to my feeble mind, my little stupid head. Well, your next selection doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, I, the next selection's really good. So, the next selection is an artist I've really been appreciating over the last couple of years. Um, they are signed to the legendary Blue Note Records. Um, Blue Note, of course, the jazz label. Of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I asked Al earlier if he had heard of Blue Note. And then he gave me a bit of like a disgusted look. Disgust and like sad longing <laughs> all in one. <laughs> Why is that? Do you know much about them? I'm assuming you know all about them, right? Like Blue Note Records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the most legendary jazz label, one of the most legendary okay, American fair. labels ever. Okay, fair. Sorry, I'm trying to be inclusive here and just make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> it sounds like you're rinsing me. <laughs> Opposite of inclusive. <laughs> I love Alistair Hill. Um, so, they were signed to Blue Note, and for our audience, if they don't know too much, they are a almost prophetic 
jazz label, and effectively everything they released just broke down so many barriers. They reinvented jazz time and time again, just releasing absolutely amazing tracks, albums, and finding amazing artists. Um, some of the favorites off of the label of mine include Donald Bird. Donald Bird's on there. I mean, this is a sidetrack, but one of my favorite Blue Note albums yeah. is the Mad Lib. Oh, that Shades is of Blue, fantastic. where he goes into Blue Note's vault yeah, and yeah. remixes it all. That is fantastic. I highly recommend hot. everyone <laughs> listen to that. Now, outside our music, the reason why I was drawing to this one, it's a little bit of a wholesome kind of thing. Um, of course, we live in a pretty average society, um, and Blue Note had no female artists signed to their label until this next artist that I'm going to talk about. Bobby Humphrey, a beautiful flautist with some really, really amazing compositional components, leaning a bit into some almost jazz pop elements, but still bringing home those kind of like hard bop elements that really kind of made and molded the Blue Note identity throughout like the mid-70s and things of that nature. I can feel it. We're in a smokely club right yeah. now drinking a whiskey they're not letting me smoke in the studio but i am drinking a lemonade <laughs> so the track i do want to share is keep note on the composition i think it's beautiful but also just in general everything through it fantastic it's a powerful build-up but the release is amazing It's called Ladies Day from Bobby Humphrey. Here it is. You're listening to Cracked on FBI Radio. The track is called Ladies' Day. I love it so much. I know. I can see you just... (laughs) You're in your own world over there. It's just got so much movement, but also the little... So a lot of movement, but the little bits are also really scintillating. Yes. Sometimes I can be very succinct and detailed with my description of music. And sometimes I call them the little bits. Sometimes I just call it outside of music. Yeah, yeah. Which is the theme on this episode of Cracked. We've gone through a lot of places, explored a lot of themes. There's been naivety in music, outsider culture, being an outsider via the technique of how one makes music and a bit of naivety as part of that. Uh, the slightly spicy one of self-chosen outsiders versus society's outsiders and kind of isn't everyone an outsider when you get down to it or at least perceive themselves as an outsider. The outsiders are positive versus a negative. That one is a bit more of a, a serious one. I never feel like an outsider here at FBI. I feel like an outsider every time I walk in. <laughs> but not in a negative way. As in... <laughs> Let's build up my enemies. (laughs) (laughs) 
outsiders to the industry. Speaking of enemies, the music industry, it's a very contentious place. <laughs> Being an outsider due to fame, there's many examples of that, like Frank Ocean, who we listened to earlier. And obviously anonymity, the spicy topic of religion, as my co-host Luke profoundly spoke of with Ethel Kane. And then there's the music made for outsiders, mm. which I think aptly brings us to the end of this episode of Cracked, because we're going to finish on an artist who has maybe felt all of these topics in their lifetime, and that may sound absurd, but they've lived a very large life. They are the American artist called Beverly Glenn Copeland. Um, This is a transgender male composer, and they released an album in the 70s that did get a little bit of recognition. Sorry, it was in the 80s. It was 1986, called Keyboard Fantasies. It's a beautiful album. It's very meditative. Um, It's all made on the Yamaha DX7 and the Roland TR707, which are known as kind of classic synthesizers these days. But they didn't really get a ton of recognition until a Japanese collector kind of rediscovered this album and promoted it in 2015. And then it became better known that uh, Beverly Glenn Copeland identified as male. And... The album kind of got all of this critical acclaim. It was voted the winner of the Polaris Heritage Prize, the 2020 Polaris Music Prize, which is the Canadian version of like the Grammys or the Brit Awards. The Canadian or, Arias. Yeah, the Arias. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to avoid that one. But the important thing is that Beverly still makes music and there's this kind of vital spirit and life force. Uh, and... They released an album recently called Primal Prayer. And it is, again, got a weird story. It was released in 2019, but it was actually first released in 2004. And the opening track, La Vida, kind of really encapsulates everything that they love. Like there's a bit of operatic nature, there's classical music, there's the electronic music kind of pulse to everything. And this track was actually recently sampled by Romy from the XX. Oh, I love yeah, Romy. Um, for that track, Love Your Life. Cool. Uh, so I think this track may be very recognizable. So we're going to close out Outside of Music, this episode on Cracked, with Beverly Glenn Copeland. The track is called La Vida. This is FBI Radio. Time to shake the says take the time to grieve the mind says let the silence flow the mind says allow yourself to grow the spirit says cast your eyes above the spirit says fill your heart with love the heart says seek the light within the heart says let the dance begin and my mother says to me